Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 7, Tricky Questions. James was getting worried. After a quick change and dash across school from his PE changing room to the English corridor, he was now standing around waiting. The class was already empty when he arrived except for Jenny's coat and bag on the back of a chair in the middle of the room. She and Cece were nowhere to be seen. The next class had started to drift in, so James gathered up Jenny's things and waited by the door. The room filled up with fresh-faced year sevens, and Miss Forsyth appeared with a mug of coffee. Just when he thought he would have to bail and rush to his next lesson, Jenny rounded the corner, walking fast, with the duffel bag cradled in her arms. "'Where have you been?' James said. "'I'll be late to science, and you know what Mr. Q is like.' "'Sorry,' Jenny said, handing Cece over and swinging her bag onto her back. "'I just had the strangest conversation. We have to talk about it. "'We can talk later. I need to give Cece her snack. She'll be hungry by now.' James pulled a chocolate Freddo from his pocket and unwrapped it. "'You can't feed her chocolate,' Jenny said. "'It's all I could find this morning.' I had to raid my advent calendar, James said, unzipping his bag. Cece peered out and he gave her the chocolate. She grabbed it, took a sniff, then a tiny bite. Then she stuffed the whole thing in her mouth and disappeared back into the bag to chew it. She likes it. It'll keep her happy until lunch, at least. I need to tell you about the inspector, Jenny started. He knew all about... The classroom door opened and Miss Forsyth was standing on the other side. James zipped up the duffel bag fast. Lesson time, the teacher said sternly. Go on. Then she softened and made a beckoning gesture. Actually, Jenny, could you do me a favour and take Billy up to the office? He seems to have developed a nosebleed. Billy, an undersized year seven, timidly stepped into the doorway with a wad of tissues pushed into the middle of his face. Blood had dripped all over his light blue t-shirt and his cheeks were glistening with tears. See you at lunch, James said, leaving Jenny with the unfortunate Billy. He was late for science. As predicted, Mr. Q was not happy and kept the whole class in silence while they waited for James to take his seat, which was way more awkward than usual due to the fact that the science lab had tall stools and workbenches. There was not enough room to keep the bag with Cece on his lap, and there was no way that Mr. Q would allow him to keep the bag on top of the bench. James made do by holding the bag by his side with one hand. Mr. Q cleared his throat. Put the bag on the floor, and if you force us to wait any longer, we'll all be making up this time at lunch. The rest of the class groaned, and James was forced to put the bag on the floor. He managed to keep one handle trapped under his foot. Thank you. Mr. Q turned back to the old-fashioned blackboard that he insisted on using. Now, where was I? Oh yes, acids and alkalis. Who can remember the pH scale? Anyone? James kept his head down. He didn't want to risk annoying Mr. Q any more than he had already. Thankfully, the lesson was all theory, which meant James could keep a foot on the bag strap while labelling a pH scale with different strengths of acids. The class worked in silence, knowing that it was best not to annoy Mr. Q once he was in any kind of mood. It was all going well until James felt a tug at his foot. Glancing down, he saw that the zip was partially undone. 
Mr Q was shading a diagram of a beaker on the board and had his back to the class, so James slipped off his stool and started to zip the bag back up. He noticed it was lighter than usual. He put his hand inside and felt around. Nothing. Cece was gone. Scanning the floor, he caught a glimpse of golden fur under the bench nearest the blackboard. A wave of dread swept over him. "'What is it now, James?' Mr. Q's voice was loud and on the verge of anger. "'Something that's more important than the pH scale, I presume.' He left the question hanging while James stood up from behind the desk, holding the empty bag in one hand while looking round the room for any signs of Cece. "'Well?' Mr. Q's voice rose another notch. "'You can answer now, or you can share it with us in the first five minutes of lunchtime, which are now going to be spent in this lab.' Nathan's hand shot up from the table next to James. What? All of us? Yes, unless James can explain his actions in a satisfactory manner. James said nothing. For a split second he contemplated telling Mr Q the truth, that he'd brought a circus monkey into school with him, and it had now escaped into the lab. I, uh... James desperately hoped for a spark of inspiration. It was my... Something flew across the classroom from the far side and struck Mr. Q on the chest. A thin yellow strip of wood, like a coffee stirrer. It was a splint for lighting Bunsen burners. Who threw that? Mr. Q roared, spinning round to catch the culprit. James looked too and saw a flash of golden fur on the shelf above the Bunsens. The students nearest the box of splints looked at each other while something gold streaked across the ceiling above the hanging lights. Lucy! Was it you? Mr. Q said furiously at the girl closest to the splints. Lucy didn't dare to speak and just shook her head vigorously. While everyone was distracted, James quickly pulled out another chocolate Freddo, unwrapped it and waved it in the air. There was a knock at the door and a year eleven stuck their head through, oblivious to what was going on. What do you want? Mr. Q shouted. The year eleven didn't seem surprised that they were being shouted at by Mr. Q. Perhaps they were used to it, or perhaps being in the last year of school meant they didn't really care. It made no difference to James, who was concentrating on Cece. The monkey was sitting on the hanging light above him, looking hungrily down at the chocolate. He dropped the Freddo into the bag, and Cece launched herself soundlessly in after it. James didn't waste any time zipping the bag back up. "'I need James Patey,' the year eleven said. When they saw Mr. Q's face reddening, they hastily added, For the inspection, sir. Everyone looked at James. He confidently held the bag up. It's evidence for the inspection, sir, he said. My best work. I wanted to make sure it was all in order. You know, to make the school look good. Mr. Q's face was still red, but a little of the anger in it subsided. Well, he managed. That's thoughtful of you. He waved a hand at the door. Don't be late, and let them know that the science department is on track to be all caught up by Christmas. Yes, sir. James walked out quickly, clutching the duffel bag to his chest, and wondering if he'd been lucky or unlucky or both at the same time. Getting out of Mr. Q's line of fire was a relief, even if it had been James that set the teacher on the warpath in the first place. The year eleven led James to one of the deputy head's offices. They knocked on the door and showed him in. Behind the deputy's desk was a man in a suit that James had never seen before. Take a seat, the suited man said. James did so, 
noticing that the man's eyes were fixed on the bag that now nestled in James's lap. No need to be worried. I'm just asking a few questions about how things are going. Really well, James said. I think we've caught up with everything already. In fact, I think we're ahead. I'm only in year nine, but I feel like I'm ready for my GCSEs already. The man was still looking at the bag. Well, James said, aren't you going to put that in your report? We're probably doing better here than most private schools and boarding schools around here. Indeed, the man said, looking up at James. James got the impression the man wasn't really interested in the school at all. There was something different about his eyes, not to mention how impeccably well-dressed he was. His suit was a glimmering dark blue, and his white shirt was practically glowing. "'How much do you want the school to get a good report?' the man said in a conversational tone. "'What do you mean?' James asked. "'I mean, what would you do to ensure a grade A inspection?' This time there was a slight edge in the man's voice. Would you, for instance, tell me what's in that bag? James pulled the bag closer to him. He could feel Cece through the sides. Who are you? James asked. You students always seem to want to ask the questions. My name's Mr. Whelan, but most people call me the Inspector. Who else knows about the Ringmaster? The tattooed woman with the whip. You do know about her, don't you? James tried to keep his face still while he thought. The inspector must have spoken to Jenny already. But why would Jenny have mentioned the tattooed woman? I don't know what you mean, James said finally. I'm just trying to catch up on lost learning. The inspector laughed. Such a carefully considered denial. Someone who had truly not met the ringmaster would have said so immediately. Your pause gave you away. What about this question? Who told me about the ringmaster? It must have been Jenny. No idea, James said quickly. The inspector laughed again. This time you overcompensated. You were too fast. But with some effort, you could learn to lie effectively. How about this question? If you were kidnapping special animals, what would you do with them? James kept quiet this time. He did not feel that talking would help his position. Whatever Jenny had said already, he was not going to add to it. Right now, you have two things in your favour. One is that your loyalty is admirable. The other is that the person you are being loyal to already impressed me. We're on the same side. So this was who Jenny had talked to. What side is that? James asked. I just wanted to get a good result for my school's inspection. So you can avoid going to a boarding school? Did Jenny tell you that? James couldn't believe she had mentioned the boarding schools. She had no right to. The man looked at the bag again. Jenny did not let on that there was anyone else that knew about the ringmaster. She certainly did not mention you, James. But you, in your anger, have just named and implicated her. James kicked himself for letting her name slip. So how did you know about? It's my job to know about the unexplainable, the strange and the downright magical happenings in this country. Finding out that you've been to a dozen public school open days this term is child's play. Coupled with your initial answers, I made an educated guess. I thought you said we were on the same side, James said, but I haven't been snooping on you, have I? Perhaps not. Not yet, anyway. The inspector stood up and turned around to the small window in the back of the office. The ringmaster and her circus are dangerous opponents. Even I can't fully explain why they do what they do. But I'm getting closer, 
and if we work together, we might be able to stop them. What do they do? James asked. That is a good question. The simple answer is that they locate and identify magic. They are looking for magical artefacts, magical animals, and any children that have interacted with either. Any magical artefact they find, they collect. Any animal, they catch and ship out of the country. And the children? That's the interesting part. The inspector turned back to James, putting his hands down on the desk. The children, they identify, and then leave totally alone. That's it? They just find us and go away? That's it. The ringmaster has already identified you and Jenny, and I want to know why. So how can we help you? You seem to have found out quite a lot already, far more than I know anyway. Because you are going to get an invitation to visit the circus, and while you're there, you're going to keep your eyes open. No way, James said. There's no way I'm going anywhere near that tattooed woman again. She already caught me once with her whip. He held up the back of his hand. I thought that looked like the ringmaster's handiwork. Trust me, she doesn't want to hurt you. You'll be perfectly safe in the circus. And besides, if you perform well for me, there could be a space at a very special school for you in the future. He reached into the inside pocket of his pristine jacket, pulled out a small white card, and gave it to James. It was a business card written in a rather flamboyant script. It said, Twitchells, and underneath, School of Unlimited Learning. Twitchell School, James said. What's that? It is another responsibility of mine. I think you would like it. It won't be like the boarding schools that you have already traipsed around. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what I want. It's my mum that needs convincing. I can be quite convincing when I need to be. If you help me with the ringmaster, then I promise that I'll help you find a school that suits you perfectly. By the time James made it back to the science lab, the other children had gone to lunch. Mr. Q was sitting at the front bench marking books. How did it go? he asked. No anger, but perhaps a hint of apprehension in his voice. Fine, I think. James picked up his school bag. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs>